最前沿的科学研究。The media, health professionals, and your family keeps telling you to sleep more, but do they tell you why sleep is good for you? Hi, welcome to Science Rehashed. I'm Shanning, and I'm Mehdi Jorfi. And today we are going to dig deeper into how lack of sleep contributes to cardiovascular disease and the importance of getting enough sleep to maintain our heart health. Poor or insufficient sleep is a major public health problem affecting millions of people of all ages. Fewer than half of adults in the United States get the recommended seven to eight hours per day. Today, we'll take you through a fascinating recent publication in Nature that looks into the molecular mechanisms underlying sleep deficiency and heart disease. Thank you, Dr. Phil Swerfsink, for joining our show. We're very delighted to have you today. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey and research? So I am a trained immunologist. I did my PhD in immunology at McMaster University in Canada.、Mm-hmm. Then I came here to Boston to do a postdoc in Peter Libby's lab, and the postdoc was focusing on the role of inflammation in the immune system and cardiovascular disease. So I came to do a postdoc, and 15 years later, here I am. Still、uh, here. So I, I'm still here. <laughs> I have a lab at Mass General Hospital in the Center for Systems Biology.、Mm-hmm. Uh, our main focus is to study the role of the immune system and inflammation, in particular. In various diseases, and we've really focused on cardiovascular disease predominantly. So we really view disease through the prism of the immune system and、mm-hmm. and through the prism of the leukocytes that are really the foot soldiers of、mm-hmm. the immune system. And what are leukocytes? Leukocytes are white blood cells. So there are red blood cells. White blood cells are less numerous than red blood cells,、mm-hmm. but they are cells that really constitute the immune system. There are、uh, all kinds of different specialized leukocytes that perform. Number of vital functions that keep us healthy. I know that one of your research interests is sleep deprivation and how sleep contributes to the immunology of the brain and the whole body. So I know that when I don't get a good night's sleeps, I'm more prone to getting sick. Can you explain to us why that is? So sleep is such a fascinating thing. You know, we spend a third of our lives asleep, and、uh, we know, as you just mentioned, that you know if you don't get enough sleep, you you, you feel terrible. You're prone to getting sick,、mm-hmm. and it's really remarkable how little we know about you know why that is. What we are really beginning to appreciate is that. During sleep, there are many processes that really help our bodies regenerate. There's a very famous science paper several years ago that showed that during sleep, the brain washes itself of toxins.、Mm-hmm. And there have been、uh, numerous papers since, and collectively, you know, the data really indicate to us that this is a A time when we we heal ourselves, and so I think that if you prevent that from occurring, that this is where one、uh, can be at a higher risk for、mm-hmm. for developing disease. And in the paper that you published recently in Nature, it was a very complex story. Could you kind of walk us through your study design and how you went from one step to the next? The motivation for this. 
paper was not to show that sleep is important. I mean, we, we know that sleep is important. Right. Uh, we know that it is important for cardiovascular health. And yes. there have been uh, multiple studies in humans, both large and small, that have demonstrated over and over that good sleep, good quality of sleep, uh, protects against cardiovascular disease and conversely sleep interruption mm -hmm. and curtailment is a risk factor. And mm -hmm. in fact, it's quite a major risk factor. Mm -hmm. So we knew that was the case. But mm -hmm. the question is, mm -hmm. why does right. this, you know, can we discover something that nature has figured out Mm -hmm. that will help us understand at a tissue, cellular, and molecular level how sleep uh, protects against cardiovascular disease and conversely how its interruption is detrimental. Right. right. And that's the key, right? Like It's not just the lack of sleep, it's quality of sleep. Right? That's right. So on the one hand, you can think about jet lag and there is evidence that this does pose a risk. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, quality of sleep is also important. Mm -hmm. What we wanted to do was to explore this in, in detail. And of course, that's something when one is interested in looking at how sleep benefits cardiovascular health at a molecular cellular level, you can't really do that in humans, mm -hmm. at least not at the beginning, because of the types of interventions that are really right, required right. to understand. You're using the scientific method of reductionist deletion of uh, molecules. <laughs> uh, this is where animal models uh, become indispensable. Mm -hmm. And so we settled on a mouse model mm -hmm. of sleep interruption that was developed by David Gozal at the University of Chicago. Mice sleep during the day, mm -hmm. and it is a model that interrupts mouse sleep with a sweep bar that sweeps across the bottom of a cage and gently wakes the mice up. The method that has been shown to be quite effective is to have the sweep bar sweep once every two minutes during their sleep cycle. The mice don't habituate to this, but mm -hmm. what they do is they lose quality sleep. And so it was a naive uh, first experiment. You know, we just thought, let's uh, interrupt a mouse sleep and see whether we see any indications of uh, cardiovascular disease mm -hmm. uh, in these mice. We used a mouse model that is popular mouse model to use to study atherosclerosis, right, which right. is uh, the disease. Uh, that involves the buildup of plaques in the vessel, and it's the root cause of myocardial infarction, so mm -hmm. heart attack or stroke. And, and this is a mouse that develops lesions that look uh, similar to those in humans, and it's a mouse that's uh, widely studied. And so uh, what happens if we interrupt sleep in mice that are susceptible to atherosclerosis? Does disease get worse? And what we found was that indeed in mice subjected to sleep fragmentation, so mm -hmm. that's a term for the sleep interruption, animals developed larger lesions. Okay. So this was really the beginning of this study. Another point very fascinating in the study, you found in the sleep-deprived mice, they have twice as specific white blood cells compared to the non-sleep-derived mice. Why is that important? Uh, one can say that uh, in order for lesions to develop, mm -hmm. so plaques that, again, can cause heart attack or stroke, you need two things. You need fat uh, and you need cells. And specifically, you need leukocytes. Mm -hmm. So you need these white blood cells, specifically monocyte type of white blood cell that is made in the bone marrow. So in experimental models, removal of such cells essentially prevents atherosclerosis from developing. Mm -hmm. 
And so naturally, in assessing the course of atherosclerosis in animals subjected to sleep fragmentation, we also measured the numbers of uh, leukocytes that circulate in the blood. The numbers of cells that circulate in the blood fluctuates mm -hmm. in a circadian manner. Right. This, is, this happens in humans, this happens in mice. It is because of the central circadian and peripheral circadian clocks that control the production and release of cells yeah. into the blood. Mm -hmm. And what, what we found in mice subjected to sleep fragmentation was that the overall number of leukocytes mm -hmm. increased um, in mice subjected to sleep fragmentation. There was just more of these cells that were being produced. Mm -hmm. And that was important because these are the cells responsible for the generation of Not all the white blood cells. Only some specific white blood cells were increased in number. And specifically monocytes, mm -hmm. which are white blood cells produced in the bone marrow that can give rise to macrophages and foam cells mm -hmm. that are constituents of atherosclerotic lesions, mm -hmm. as well as neutrophils, which mm -hmm. are also a type of um, myeloid white blood cell that is really the first at the scene of infection or injury. Mm -hmm. But not others, not B cells, for example, or T cells, B cells being antibody producing cells. And did you see a dose-dependent effect at all in terms of um, if you changed the period of fragmentation, so every two minutes versus every one hour? We didn't change the protocol of um, how frequently the bar wakes these animals, but what we did see was a progressive increase over time. Mm -hmm. The effect was bigger the longer the mice were subjected to sleep fragmentation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what we also discovered here was that not all is lost. Animals uh, subjected to sleep fragmentation, if you allowed these animals to sleep normally, mm -hmm. eventually after a period of two months, mm -hmm. things return to normal. And, mm -hmm. and we think we have some thoughts about why that was. So now you also mentioned a little bit about the um, central regulation of, of these white blood cells. And in your paper, you mentioned that there was a lower amount of orexin in the sleep-deprived mice. And this is also known as hypocretin, which is a hormone made by the brain that plays a central role in arousal, wakefulness, and appetite. So would you explain what's the connection between orexin and the decreased level of white blood cells in these mice? We had a phenotype. Mm -hmm. So what we saw was that mice subjected to sleep interruption develop larger atherosclerotic lesions. Mm -hmm. And this is associated with more uh, white blood cells that are produced in the bone marrow. And we know that these cells are important to the growth of atherosclerotic lesions. So you know, we, we had those dots somewhat connected. But mm -hmm. the next question was, you know, how is this happening? Right. And this was the difficult part. Uh, right. Right. Well, the first question, well, maybe this increase in leukocyte number in the bone marrow is the result of stress, mm -hmm. specifically... Stress uh, uh, is conveyed through two very important pathways, the mm -hmm. sympathetic nervous system pathway, mm -hmm. as well as the, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Mm -hmm. We published a paper several years ago with my colleague Matthias Narendorf that showed that psychosocial stress mm -hmm. activates the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that, in turn, increases hematopoiesis in the bone marrow. And so when we had the phenotype, uh, we thought, well, surely this must be stress. Mm -hmm. Perhaps these mice 
have increased production of leukocytes because they have uh, activation of the sympathetic nervous system. That turned out to be not the case. Right. We saw no evidence for the SNS to be involved in this. And so that really started whole sets of failed experiments yeah. where we tried this and that and, and eventually turned our attention on the production of neuropeptides. So there is a region in the brain called the hypothalamus. It's responsible for wakefulness and hunger. Uh, this uh, is a region where numerous neuropeptides are produced that mm -hmm. we control. This is also the region where the central circadian clock is located in the suprachiasmatic nuclei. Mm -hmm. And so what Cameron did was to measure uh, expression, production of neuropeptides in mice that were subjected to sleep fragmentation and mm -hmm. control mice. And he found that mice subjected to sleep fragmentation had less production of orexin, mm -hmm. also known as hypocretin. That was interesting. Absolutely. And that led to the question, okay, um, one, why is this happening? And two, is this an association or can we connect the dots? Yes. Is hypocretin in any shape or form controlling the production of leukocytes mm -hmm. in the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And also we know that the lack of orexin in the brain results into narcolepsy, which is a long-term neurological disorder that involves a decreased ability to regulate the wake-sleep cycles. Does sleep deprivation in a long-term cause this disorder? Uh, narcolepsy is uh, the autoimmune destruction of orexin-producing neurons. Mm -hmm. And so this is an autoimmune disease. I don't know whether sleep deprivation would cause narcolepsy, but the identification of orexin mm -hmm. levels entailed to us was that orexin deficiency might in some way represent sleep fragmentation mm -hmm. because narcolepsy manifests itself as interruption of sleep and frequent sleep-wake cycles. Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, what we observed was that in response to sleep fragmentation, we had a decrease in orexin production. Mm -hmm. What happens in orexin-deficient mice? Exactly. Tom Scamell here at Harvard, who has studied narcolepsy for years, he shared his orexin-deficient mice. What we did was to simply take orexin-deficient mice and without doing anything else to them, mm -hmm. enumerate monocytes and neutrophils in their blood. Mm -hmm. And what we found was in those mice, both monocyte and neutrophil numbers were heightened. So those mice, in, in a way, phenocopied what we observed in otherwise wild-type mice subjected to sleep fragmentation, mm -hmm. which uh, made us think that perhaps orexin was playing a causal role in the production of cells in the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Um, is it possible to dose the mice with hypocretin to reverse the effect? Yes. Uh, in order to determine whether there is a direct link mm -hmm. between orexin and hematopoiesis, mm -hmm. you can ask, first, does orexin that is made in the hypothalamus, can it be measured in the place where cells are produced, mm -hmm. i.e. can it be measured in the bone marrow? Right. That's the first thing. So is and there a communication between exactly. the so, hypothalamus and the bone marrow? Right. Exactly. Okay. So it's because the hypothalamus is the location where orexin is produced, is it possible that hypothalamus-produced orexin mm -hmm. can 
infiltrate the bone marrow. So right, that's the right, first question. Right. And the second um, question was, are there cells in the bone marrow mm -hmm. that express the orexin receptor? Are there cells that can directly recognize orexin? Mm -hmm. Because if there are, those cells are possibly the cells that uh, are the link mm -hmm. that communicate orexin to hematopoiesis. Yes. And what we found first, that yes, indeed, orexin in the hypothalamus can be detected in the bone marrow, mm -hmm. in the bone marrow fluid. And secondly, we found to our great surprise that there is a population of cells in the bone marrow, a subset of pre-neutrophils, as it turns out, mm -hmm. that express the orexin receptor. When I saw that neutrophils express the orexin receptor, I got excited because it is known that neutrophils mm -hmm. are an abundant source of a colony-stimulating factor called CSF1. Mm -hmm. So this is a growth factor. This is a molecule that is very important to the production of white blood cells, specifically to the production of monocytes. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of CSF1, in the absence of this colony-stimulating factor 1, Monocytes, uh, monocyte levels are, are very low. There are very few monocytes that are being produced and very few macrophages. This is a very important growth factor mm -hmm. that licenses or that produces monocytes. And so without this factor, will you have um, immune deficiencies? Very much so. Um, mice that do not have colony stimulating factor are osteopetrotic because this factor is also responsible for cells that regulate bone formation, mm -hmm. and and uh, it, this is you know this is not a good thing not to have. It's a very important growth factor. Okay. Now what uh, we discovered is that orexin regulates the amount of colony stimulating factor that these pre-neutrophils that reside in the bone marrow deliver. Mm -hmm. Neutrophils are not the only cells that produce colony-stimulating factor. Other cells do this. But neutrophils are the only cells that can respond to orexin. And so the model here is that orexin production mm -hmm. limits the amount of CSF1 mm -hmm. that the bone marrow sees. And so in the absence of orexin, so orexin acts as a break. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of orexin, neutrophils produce more CSF1, mm -hmm. and that uh, results in more monocytes that are produced, and that results in bigger lesions. Now, you may ask yourself, why does this system exist in the first place? Right. So, exactly. so keep in mind that orexin is a wakefulness and appetite-stimulating hormone. So when you're asleep, orexin levels are typically low, mm -hmm. and when you're awake, orexin levels increase. These data suggest that when the orexin levels are high, hematopoiesis or production of immune cells in the bone marrow is attenuated. And we think this uh, system developed in this way because production of immune cells is energetically costly. You know, this alludes to what I said earlier, that sleep is a time for regeneration. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so perhaps orexin limits production of immune cells when we're awake to divert the resources to other processes in the body. Why would orexin levels decrease during sleep 
interruption because you know sleep was interrupted at a time when orexin levels are low because this is when mice typically sleep. We think that what happens is that during sleep interruption, every time a mouse is interrupted, there might be a little bit of a orexin firing. And over time, the system gets re- dysregulated. And in the absence of orexin, mm-hmm. the brakes are off. Right. And uh, hematopoiesis increases. What happens if one just delivers orexin? Exactly. Yes. And so we did this. We delivered orexin. Upon orexin delivery, we were able to attenuate, restrict uh, production of immune cells. Mm-hmm. And also, we were able to slow down the growth of atherosclerotic lesions. So I think this is outstanding. If the story holds true in humans, this can open unlimited doors for not only treating the heart disease, but also one could explain the connection between sleep and other conditions like cancer. Do you have any plan to check these findings in humans? We are doing this as we speak, yes. And and do you think that everyone who is sleep-deprived develop cardiovascular disease or we need to look deeper and sort out who is most at risk? If we consider all the people like nurses, pilots, that they they, they have this sleep deprivation due to their profession, then what is the answer for them? We know that sleep deprivation is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And I think we just need to delve deeper into this and really better understand this. You know, you know, this is a health policy issue. Mm-hmm. This is also a culture issue. Yeah. Right. We know we need to emphasize the importance of sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. We are more alert. We can be more productive, more efficient after a good night's sleep. I think everybody knows this intuitively. Yes. But I think that as we are learning more about the physiology, the biology, the immunology of sleep, I think really helps us appreciate this greater depth. And, and hopefully uh, this will help change that culture mm-hmm. and, and, and really people can be proud of having a good night's sleep (laughs) (laughs) and the lack of. Yeah. And do you think there's a genetic component to this? Because some people feel comfortable and happy after six hours of sleep, while others need, you know, nine hours. Absolutely right. There's fascinating literature on this, some of which was published this year. It's true that some people are early risers. Mm -hmm. Some people are night owls, right? We we know this and we are learning that there is really a a genetic component uh, Mm -hmm. to this. And in studying sleep, some of the better studies that are uh, being conducted are those that really objectively uh, look at people's specific chronotype. You Mm -hmm. You don't want to interrupt sleep in every every person in the same way. Right. just because we have these different chronotypes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with all this, with all these insights, um, we are uh, uh, at a point where we can design uh, better studies, well-controlled studies that really will help us understand uh, convincingly how sleep regulates the many processes. I think think we're just scratching the surface. Our study here is this one... Uh, interaction between one hormone and uh, production of immune cells. Mm -hmm. But uh, really, um, there are multiple of other possible uh, uh, mechanisms that we really haven't uncovered. I think Mm -hmm. this is really an exciting time to study uh, sleep, circadian Mm -hmm. biology, 
in the context of uh, other systems yeah. that are uh, in our body. My last question. I'm just excited to see if you have any plan to dissect deeper into the sleep and see which cycle of sleep, the REM sleep or the non-rapid eye movement sleeps, contribute directly to this effect. It ties in with the earlier question about sleep interruption mm -hmm. versus, you know, you know, why do we sleep for seven to nine hours? And, you know, during the course of a night, we go through six to eight cycles of sleep as mm -hmm. we go from non-REM sleep right. to REM sleep. And it seems that we need those cycles and interruption of sleep interrupts those cycles. Mm -hmm. So it's really a fascinating area. I don't have an answer. I would say that this is uh, really an area of investigation that's just ripe for discovery. We learned today that besides major risk factors such as obesity, high cholesterol, saturated fat diet, we need a good quality sleep to maintain heart health. Thank you so much, Dr. Swirsky, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We have more exciting topics coming up for our next episodes, including Alzheimer's disease genomics and an exclusive interview with Professor Bob Langer. Thank you for listening to Science Rehashed. If you love the podcast, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.